welcome to church. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, starting a series, The Matrix, uh, if you haven't figured that out. And uh, I don't know if you realize it or not, but this world is broken. Which shouldn't surprise you. I mean, if you become aware of the matrix, you know, the matrix of, of the world, it's do whatever you want. It's all about you. And you know, I mean, the matrix, if something doesn't work, you dismiss it. I mean, the matrix is don't worry about anybody else. You do you. It's about technological connections only, which results in pseudo-community, I might add. I mean, the matrix is soul-sucking our existence. It leads to division, self-centeredness. It results in emptiness and bondage. And get this. Most people, in fact, many, don't even realize it, that it's happening. I mean, the matrix, I believe, is part of Satan's plan in life. Jesus said this. He says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all of its fullness, See, Jesus came to set us free. Jesus, he came to, to give us that abundant life. It's a better way to live. Jesus came to bring heaven to earth. I mean, how? Well, Jesus points to a new reality. He says, and I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Here's a question I would raise. What would it look like if God's people were to release heaven on earth? I mean, what would it look like if as Christ followers we said yes to God's calling on our lives? I mean, what would it look like if we were to resist the matrix of the world? If we were to say no to, to worldly pleasures? If we were to say no to this meistic, kind of comfort-centric existence? I mean, what if we were to step outside ourselves? What if we were to live with our lives focused on Jesus? I mean, what if we decided to live with an eternal perspective in our lives? Christ followers, you were created by God. You are called by God to a new reality. We're called by God to make an eternal impact in the world. You're called by God to do greater things than you can even imagine in your life. You see, you're the one. God has given you the keys, the kingdom of heaven. 
God's called you to release heaven on earth. And God longs to use you to release love in this world and grace and peace and mercy. He's called you to reach people who are in bondage, who desperately need Jesus in their life. Jesus is the only hope for this broken world. Christ followers, church, wake up. Resist the matrix of this world. Resist apathy in life. And it has to start here, right now, with all of us. We are the people who are called by his name to bring heaven to this earth. It's a choice. It's a choice you make between truth and lies, between freedom and bondage, the choice between living that full life or just existing in life. And friends, those are two very, very, very different existences. And whether you acknowledge it or not, you live by, we all live by some sort of code, so to speak, in our lives. Now, for instance, if you're single, and you live in an apartment, maybe a dorm, and you have a roommate, you have some sort of code, don't you? I mean, rules, certain things that are okay, certain things that are not okay. At work, we have codes, don't we? Places you can smoke, can't smoke, places you're allowed to sit, not sit, Places you can park, not park. There there are even codes what you can wear and what you can't wear, right? If you're a member of a club, I'll tell you there are lots of codes usually. I've shared this before, but in our family, we had had a code. And two main things was show respect and always be honest. Now, there were other things. But those were the two really big ones in our household. Wherever two or more people gather, somebody has to give up an element of freedom. And if someone refuses, well, guess what? You end up with conflict, tension, division, chaos. So whatever the the situation, whatever the environment, a code exists, and the reason why it exists is so that we can have peace relationally, so that we can have community, so that we can progress, so to speak, collectively in life. So everybody, everybody lives by some sort of code. Choice is yours. You know, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he foretold the the coming of a new Zion. It was the church he was talking about. A church that would be built on the cornerstone of the Messiah. 
Jesus came and ushered in the new Zion. The church was God's design for bringing heaven to earth. And so that's what I want to talk about, that new Zion, that that new reality that we have. When, When Christ followers fully understand the code, they understand the way they're supposed to function. And what happens is lives are changed. There's freedom. And there's a fullness, abundantness to life. The church becomes a place of love and grace and encouragement. The church brings a little bit of heaven to earth. So so how are we supposed to function? I mean, what's the code? You know, when I first started thinking about this and uh, thinking about this series, I kind of reflected on codes from my childhood you know, that stood out. It was maybe more of a rule. But I remember hearing this one a lot. Don't run in church. How many of you remember that? (laughs) I mean, the fact is, it probably means I got caught running in church a lot, is what I imagine. But for some reason, running in the church was, was a big deal. You know, another one that that sticks out for me, and uh, I was thinking about when I was really little, I'd be sitting with my mom and dad, and uh, they would uh, give me crayons, coloring books, this before our phones existed, by the way, and uh, they they would keep me busy, you know, during the service, and the, the code, I think, was really be quiet, but I would hear a lot of shh. You know, don't crinkle your papers. Quit making noise. Don't color so fast. And, and here's a crazy thing. When I'd get fidgety, and I can get fidgety, mom would give me a peppermint. Yes? <laughs> There's no way to open a peppermint without making a lot of noise, right? A lot of crinkling. You gave it to me, you know. When I was a teenager, one of the codes was you can't skip worship service. Now, a little context, but the church I attended, our, uh, we broadcast our services live on the radio. And uh, McDonald's was four blocks down the street. So some of us teenagers got together and we kind of devised a system, you might say. Right after Sunday school we would race down to the golden arches and we would get some food and we would hang out. And about a half hour after being there, we would uh, turn on a radio and we would listen until we heard like a story, a joke or something that we could refer to. And then we would clown around again and we would wait till the closing music started and then we would hightail it back to church. I'd get in the car with mom and dad. I would get in a real quick comment, and this was important that I was quick about it, you know, and so I would tell the joke or go, man, that was really, really funny joke or a great story. And that way I avoided my parents asking me the question, were you in church? (laughs) They just assumed I was because I quoted something out of the service. 
One day, the deacons of our church showed up. That was the end of our system. So we were back to going to service after that. But I want you to think. I mean, imagine most of you, you grew up in church. And there was some kind of code that you gravitated, you remember, you know, some rule. And in fact, I was thinking about, for some of you, it was all about rules. In fact, that might be why, for some of you, you just dropped out. You felt like Christianity got boiled down to one code that always started with the word don't. Don't. And so... As a teen or a college student, a young adult, you you kind of assess things. You said, if that's what God's like, if that's what following Jesus Christ means, I'm out. Because it seems to me that Christians are more concerned about rules and codes than they are about people. And if you are thinking that, if that's your background... I would challenge you to listen really carefully today because we're going to look at the code that the church is supposed to have. We're going to look at a code that's God-given, a a code that, that informs us, that guides us, and helps us understand what we're called to do as a church, what we're called to be, what we're called to become. And my hope and prayer for faith fellowship is that we model the code. And so that's what we're going to look at today. When people come to faith fellowship, when, when teenagers go off to college, I want it to be such that they go, they don't leave and go, well, I'm glad that's behind me. But instead... They say, wow, how can I stay plugged into that? And I believe if we take seriously what we're going to talk about, we can become a very unique church. The kind of church where people not only come and enjoy themselves, but they stay and connect and grow in their relationship with God. You know, in the first century, uh, The Apostle Paul, he was planting churches everywhere. And Paul was not concerned about, you know, going to church. He was concerned about the code of the church. He wasn't concerned about us attending church. In fact, that was just a a weird concept for him. He knew that if Christ followers got the code that they would become the church. See, we are the church. Paul writes this, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That word uh, worthy, it means to be on par, to be equal to. In fact, when you find Paul saying life, live a life, you know, live a life, he's talking about core values. 
he's talking about how, as believers, we relate with each other. We relate with, with the world. He says, I want your relationships to be equal to the calling. Unfortunately, I think most of us, when we hear about Christ and the Christian calling, we kind of think sci-fi, don't we? That is not what it's about at all. It has nothing to do with that. Calling is a very practical word. It means to invite. You received an invitation from God to have a relationship with him. And if you're a Christian, you accepted the invitation to have a relationship with God. It's a relationship that is characterized by forgiveness. In other words, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how many times you've done it, you're forgiven, period. It's a relationship that, that's full of grace. In other words, God is going to give you some things in that relationship, good things, that you don't deserve. You couldn't earn them, but God's going to give them to you. You know, it's a relationship that is marked by a thing called mercy. God's not going to give you some things that you do deserve in your life, especially when you mess up. Like, you deserve some stuff, but God's going to not give it to you. It's a relationship based on acceptance. God's going to accept you just the way you are. But it's also a relationship based on love. And God loves you way too much to leave you the way you are. And in fact, it's a relationship that was so important to God that God sent his son to die and make it possible for you. That's the kind of relationship that you've been invited to. And that is the basis of the code. You know, the, uh, the, basically the Apostle Paul is saying, as you think about the church, as you think about your relationships with one another, I want you to behave among yourselves and to treat each other in a way that reflects what you have been invited to, to, to be treated in a way that's not what you deserve, not what they deserve, but it reflects what you've been invited to participate with your heavenly father in. It's a higher calling. It's the code that should guide us as followers of Jesus Christ. It's how we're to function as a church. Then Paul gives us more code. <laughs> he says, be completely humble and gentle. In other words, Paul says, I want our relationships with each other to be characterized by humility. And Jesus showed us what humility was like. I mean, he left heaven, came to this world, gave himself up freely to die on the cross for our sins. We're to humble ourselves for one another. In other words, go to the mat for each other. 
It's the code. It's what we've been called to. And then Paul says, be gentle. That's kind of an odd word. It means uh, controlled. Paul's saying, as, as you think about your relationships with each other, control yourselves. Control your behavior. Control your emotions. Control your temper. Control your responses. Well, why would I do that? Because of your relationship with God. God consistently exercises control with you and I. Now, I don't know about you, all right? But I've done things in my life that's ticked God off. I know you're shocked, right? Friends, I've messed up so many times. I've done it carelessly, sometimes intentionally. You would think that God would just look and throw the towel in on me. Really, Damon? You're doing that again? Seriously. But God controls himself. And God's gentle. Paul goes on and he says, be patient. Do you know what that assumes? We're going to tick each other off sometimes. There's a a great line in The Matrix, uh, the movie um, Agent Smith asks, he says, you hear that, Mr. Anderson? That's the sound of inevitability. Someone is going to get on your nerves. It's inevitable in life. So, So before you lose your temper, before you draw lines in the sand, before you rule someone out, before you give up on them, remember how patient God's been with you. So let's just assume it's going to happen. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to get on your nerves. Somebody, somebody said, it's already happened. <laughs> if not, be patient. It will. <laughs> it will happen. It will happen. See, the code continues. It goes, bear with one another in love. Again, the, the, the Greek, the, the idea is to endure. Just as God has endured your behavior... Your attitude, your inconsistencies, bear with one another in love. Shoulder it up. And here, this is unbelievable. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The the reason 
we've got to live in light of the invitation that God has extended to us. That the reason we must treat each other the way God's treated us is so that we can keep the, the code. The code's the key here. If, if it's key to us being able to realize who we are to become as a church, it's key to unity in the church. And that unity is not built on commitment to unity. Oh, we're going to be unified. It doesn't hinge on a mission or a strategy. It doesn't hinge on us being in the same building together, the fact that we got a lot in common together. Unity in the church hinges on Christ followers being willing to fellowship around the invitation, being willing to, to celebrate it and study the invitation of God together. It's an invitation from God. Unity is born out of the code where we treat each other with humility and gentleness and patience and love. And that's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we accept God's invitation, I accept Jesus as my Savior. God, I want a relationship with you. That's the common denominator that binds us. It's the bond in peace that's made with God through Jesus Christ. That's what pulls us together. That's what guides us. It's the code. See, Paul is calling us to never lose sight of the awe of what God did when he saved us. Paul's calling on us to, to live every day thinking about that invitation, the way that God's forgiven us, you know, focusing on the fact that God's waited on us many, many times, and God accepts us as we try and move forward in faith. And when the church loses sight of the awe of that invitation, the greatness of what God's done, really strange things begin happening. I mean, churches all of a sudden start tolerating things that, that would just offend God. They, they get really exclusive and cliquish. They stop reaching out. They get inward focused. What's in it for me? And they get to a place where they start making big deals out of stuff that God just doesn't care about. Become rule-oriented. Sort of rule people out. God invited you into a relationship with him. And God made it possible through Jesus Christ. You didn't do anything. And it is an invitation that's life-changing. Paul says, allow the invitation to continually be what drives the code in your life. The code that, that guides you. The code that, that guides your behavior. The code that determines specifically how you're going to treat each other. 
See, it helps keep the mission clear. Lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, period. And I want you to imagine a church that never loses sight of the awe of the invitation. Never loses sight of what God's done. Friends, it's the basis, it's the code, it's why we exist. I mean, imagine what it would be like for a person who doesn't know God to walk into a church that actually lives it out. You know, imagine what it would be like for a person who's had bad religious experiences in their life. Imagine what it would be like for them to come to a a place and maybe they're a little concerned showing up, a little guarded. They think the roof might fall in. They're worried people are going to stare at them. But what if, because of the code, they suddenly experienced something that was real? genuine, authentic. Friends, that's the kind of church we are called to be. Isn't that the kind of church you want to be a part of? Is it? Isn't that the the kind of church you go, "I, I could bring my friends to something like that. Parents, how many parents I got in the house? I mean, isn't that the kind of church that you want your kids to be a part of? If we're going to be that kind of church, we have to be people that never lose sight of the awe of what God's done. We have to be a church for whom this is never routine. And we're going to have to be a church and people who work together to keep this from becoming an institution. We have to be a people who work together to make this a place that has passion for God and passion for people. And if you're here today, and maybe, maybe you're thinking, I am tired of getting knocked around. And it's real popular today to go, I I don't need church. Don't need rules. I need God. Well, friends, I got good news for you, if that's you. You've come to the right place. Remember the invitation. Make it our code, how we live. Paul writes this. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich varieties to all the unseen rulers, the authorities in heavenly places. In other words, the church should be living it to such a degree that even the angels celebrate. This was the eternal plan 
which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. The church, the church was God's design to bring heaven to earth. The church was God's plan for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The church was God's design from the beginning. You see, the church is a front row seat to the grace of God in action. And I, I am just blown away. And I, I think it's pretty amazing that God wants to use you and me to change the world. Church, Christ followers, it's a simple challenge today. Have a passion for God and a passion for people. Our job's not to fix everybody. In fact, it's just the opposite of that. Our job is to remember the invitation and reflect it in how we interact. The church, we're to bring heaven to earth, which means we've got to remember how we got started, period. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you today. God, I uh, just pray that your Holy Spirit would just remind us that we would be in awe that God reached out to us just the way we were. God, that we would relate to others the same way. Meet them where they're at. Open arms, full of love and grace and patience, mercy. God, help us to be who you called us to be, who you created us to be. May we give you glory with all we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Just remain seated. And uh, allow this song to just minister to you as we prepare for communion today.